Welcome to the Generation Y podcast. My name is Will. And I'm Jean. And this is a podcast and a community to help young adults thrive. Because young adulting is hard, especially right now. So we are having conversations that matter with people who know the answers. Well, as you know, this year is a big election year. And so we're going to be talking about the voting process and how you can make sure that your vote counts. This is the Generation Y podcast. We are joined again today for a third time guest. You're basically a host Woo! on this. You're basically a host on this show. You're a partner. Um, <laughs> our resident local and and federal government correspondent, William Haston. Hey guys, thanks for having me back again. Oh, exciting. <laughs> oh man. Uh, hey, thanks so much for joining us again uh, for what I'm sure will be a riveting conversation that uh, nobody will get fired up about. If you don't know William's background, you can go back to some of our previous episodes where we talked about other things that made us mad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, But we're grateful to have you here today yeah. to talk a little bit about this election year, this voting process, um, and some of the things that play into it and all of that. Th- so thank you for taking the time today and being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. You know, it's one of the it's one of the highlights of my day to get to talk about all the things that make me angry. Yes. Um, yeah. And there are so many with the voting process right now. So Yes, like why chocolate milk isn't an acceptable thing to put in cereal. You know, like why isn't that more just widely done? Anyway. Because of diabetes. Because of diabetes. That's why. Uh William, let's just jump in here. Um, talking about just this year, obviously the um in an election year the voting process there's been a ton of turmoil around it and it feels like there is far more unrest around our voting process and this election this presidential election than we have in years past can you just talk about why that is yeah for sure so i will say um as a disclaimer um and i'm sure if you guys have listened to the podcast before you know this about me I'm a very, very progressive Democrat. So if I talk about the authoritarian government that we have currently installed, um, I'm talking about um, President Donald Trump. And so I do feel like a lot of the skepticism within our voting system, uh, the issues that we're seeing already, and we're we're not even we haven't even started early voting yet, um, is, is due to this authoritarian idea that um, the executive can control how elections are supposed to go. Right. And so we see that here in Georgia with the overreach of Brian Kemp. Um, We're seeing it with election meddling already by the Trump administration by way of the Postal Service. We're seeing it in secretaries of state all over the country um, choosing their own power really over the vested interest of the people. Um, There are so many things that are contributing um, in particular to this election that we've never seen before. And It's scary. There's a lot to be scared of. um, But believing in the checks and balances, I think, is something that really, really has um, the power to carry us through. Yeah. Right. We're seeing all these movements, like these vote movements. I've seen comedy shows and concerts and all sorts of things encouraging people to vote. And it seems like our vote is more important than it ever has been. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Why, Why is that? So I think there has been a... Uh, for lack of a better term, like a great awakening among voters where they're realizing that we don't, we are out of time in so many different facets of our political lives um, to do something. 
And we're seeing it, like you said, well, there are so many movements and so many marches and there, you know, the NBA Players Association has been pushing their owners to use arenas as voting centers. And, and I think all of that is happening as a result of, you know, we're seeing fires in the West, hurricanes in the East, we're seeing drought, we're seeing floods, you know, we're seeing all this stuff with climate change is accelerating. We're seeing a generation of people in Gen Z who are very adamant about the fact that they have a future and this is their future. Um, and, you yeah. know, for, for all of us, um, you know, millennials who are looking at, looking at that as an example, you know, I think a lot of us are, are using that to get excited. And in that, I, you're seeing all of these movements. You're seeing like IamAVoter.com where people are able to mass register. You're seeing Rock the Vote see website, you know, traffic that they've not seen previously because people are genuinely vested. I, you know, we can attribute a lot of that to our current political climate, you know, given that the Trump administration is, is making moves daily to try to take away our vote. Um, but I think more than anything, it's this idea that we're running out of time right. and we know we have to do something. It just seems like in the last election that we had, I think a lot of people were really comfortable or they thought due to the confusion between popular vote and electoral college, they're like, well, I know what my state's going to do. So it doesn't matter. My vote will kind of get canceled out by everybody else's. So people felt really confident in how they thought the vote would turn out. So they didn't necessarily think that their vote would matter. Whereas we're seeing this year, um, all of these numbers, states that never used to be a swing state are now swing states, including here in Georgia. You Georgia's know, we, in play. It, we're in play, which means it matters now more than ever that we do vote because it maybe in the past, your state used to go red or used to go blue, but you could change that this year. And I think that's so encouraging and also, I mean, really motivating for people to get out there. Um, and I think for a lot of them, people are just wondering, like, what is what is the best way to vote and make sure that my vote counts? Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, there is a there's a couple different polls out there about the overwhelming number of Democrats who are going to vote by mail. Um, I will say that voting by mail, you need to give yourself plenty of lead time. There needs to be lots of opportunity for the mail to slow down and you still get your ballot back in um, prior to Election Day. Um it's just, it is very important to understand kind of where your ballot and your application for your ballot are in the process if you are going to use vote by mail. Yeah, I think that's something that's intriguing and interesting to me that I think so, some of the thoughts around mail-in voting are, are that it was unsafe or that, I, I don't know, I I personally, you know, I've struggled like feeling like, you know, I'm just putting it in a mailbox and hoping that it gets there. And this is probably the most important thing that I'll do this year, you know, and uh, and every now and again, a birthday card doesn't make it to me. So I'm like, I, what should we be concerned at all about that process, about our vote making it? I think before we saw a lot of the tampering that's been going on with the Postal Service by way of the Postmaster General, who is a political appointee. Um, we probably didn't have a lot to worry about. I think that in some of the places where there's a larger um, democratic population, like Atlanta is a really good example, um, where we've already seen sorting machines taken, taken off the line. Um, it is definitely something to be concerned about. That said, um, I don't think that it is, I don't think it's unreliable. I think that, like I said, there needs to be plenty of lead time. There are, there are entire states, you know, Oregon's been voting by mail for years. They don't do any in-person voting. Interesting. Um, and so 
if they can manage it and they don't have any issues, you know, the rest of the country can do it. Mind you, we mail out in return so many different governmental documents. Our boat shouldn't be any different. Yes, um, that's true. Although the stuff about like removing the sorting machines and and, uh, eliminating overtime from USPS workers, you know, a lot of that was like, well, that wasn't in play, you know, in in years past. And so... Which that leads to another question of, could you possibly shed some light on why those things happened why 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 were machines sorting machines removed and yeah. overtime it, taken away overtime taken away what was the reasoning that w- that we were given for it uh to allow it to happen but then what is the potential impact of that happening the administration and the campaign which are hand in hand one and the same now um have made the decision that hey we can try to influence this election by slowing down the postal service. If they can claim victory on election night, sadly, the American attention span is so short that we're not going to wait. We're not going to wait and see, you know, here in Georgia, it took about 10 days to get a fully certified election result. Now you amplify that to the entire country. And we're looking at a week, two weeks, three weeks before we really get a good answer. Um, And, I don't think that the confidence that's lacking in the postal service is going to help in that case of we need to wait and let these ballots be counted because they're still coming in. There seems to be a thought seemingly coming from President Trump, I suppose, that by suppressing the vote, it benefits the incumbent or it benefits him. Is that true? That is. That is very true. How so? So the incumbency has its benefits. I mean, you're, any incumbent politician is probably anywhere between 15 to 20, 25 points up on their opponent just by way of being an incumbent. Um, and it, it helps, obviously, that Joe Biden was previously the vice president, um, but he's still fighting an uphill battle toward incumbency because where Joe Biden has been campaigning for about 24 months now, you know, President Trump has been on the campaign trail since 2015. You right. know, he's always holding rallies. He's always keeping his name recognition high. He's in the news every day, you know, and by way of that incumbency, he he definitely has a leg up. That said, voter suppression is is the way of the right. I mean, there's there's no way around it. You know, if you look at everything, you can start at the top of the Electoral College and work your way down to closing polling stations you know, in various different areas where you feel like it might vote blue. So that was something that we experienced in our local elections, which you were a part of. You were running for local uh, Congress as well. Um, So you may have some great insight into this. But what we experienced was there was on voting day, not early voting, but on voting day, cases of voter suppressions in predominantly blue or Democratic districts where people would experience eight plus hour lines that mm-hmm. the machines would be broken, broken. Machines, no um no paper ballots to fill yeah, out they would Some... run out of materials and yeah. so there are a lot of angry people is that something that we can expect come november i think absolutely 100 percent as so long as we have the same governor and secretary of state nothing is going to change the the, the fundamental way especially here georgia is kind of a test case for republicans across the country to see exactly how far they can push this thing Um, because they changed 40, I think it was close to 40 polling locations the day of the morning of they're sending out 
to say, oh, well, you, this one's closed. We changed it. It's going to be over here. Um, and, you know, the ones that were in city of Atlanta that were making all the news were in predominantly black and brown areas, right. which is kind of where we've seen it. Um, you know, we've seen that in South Georgia, where there's only one polling location where it's a predominantly black and brown area and people are having to come from miles away. They're walking They're you know, they're doing everything they can to get their vote counted. Um, but I do think that come November, we're not it's not going to be any different. I, I would expect it to be honestly more refined so that it doesn't look as glaring to the public, but it'll still be just as surgical as they have been in the past. If we're not really sure about mail-in voting and and we're getting a lot of mixed messages about that, and we can pretty much expect that there's going to be voter suppression on voting day, what is our best option? The option that I I have been thinking more and more about, and I think this is the one that that my wife and I are going to pursue, is early voting. I mean, I think early voting is most of the time it is done at at several locations. Um, There's not a lot of wait time um, and your ballot is in. Right. And so and it's and it's about a month. So you think, you know, all of those people that were waiting in line spread out over a month. Now Mm -hmm. they're not having an entire day's work. Yeah. having to, you know, stand in the rain, the cold and the heat, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, especially with this, with a pandemic surging um, again across the country, it's important to, to obviously be able to social distance. And William, so I think, go ahead. No, I was going to say, where can people find information about where early voting locations are and when it begins in their state? So it, depending on your state, obviously, if you're here in Georgia, you have the My Voter page. Um, and it's run by the Secretary of State, but every single state Secretary of State across the country has a website where you can look up elections information. Um, now, obviously, if you want to drill that down a little more, you can go to your local municipalities um, Board of Elections page and they will have all of that information. Um, I know that here um, in Georgia, specifically in Metro Atlanta, um, I think DeKalb has about 19 Fulton County has, I think, 29. They haven't announced where they are yet, but there are lots of people looking looking at the boards of elections to figure out, all right, guys, like you need to be as serious about this as we are because we know we're watching you now. Um, where we weren't in the past, we were just assuming elections were going to happen. Now we're watching the process to get to an election, um, and they're all very aware of that. And they're all thinking, how can we make this the best process that we can. We had one of our listeners um, write in a question um, anticipating you coming in, and they asked about if they've already sent in their application for a ballot, but they haven't received it yet, can they just kind of be like, okay, I'm not going to wait for it, and can they go early vote? That's a really good question. I know that in the June elections, there were about... The, the secretary of state is claiming there were over a thousand people who did just that um, and that they ended up voting twice. Now, I don't I, I again, that's reported. Um, I would say that to check your board of elections website and the secretary of state's website to find out what you can do to cancel your ballot request. OK, and, that's, a, and early vote. that's a good point, because there are actually some like criminal ramifications of voting twice. I mean, correct? Yeah. And I yes. remember so something suggested that we that some in North Carolina vote twice to test the system. That is very illegal. Do please, whatever you do, yeah, do not don't vote. Don't do twice. that. What was being said 
a lot on more conservative news sites um, from Trump himself was that this is not a valid way to vote. And yet we're being asked to vote by the president in this manner. So Mm -hmm. if it's not trustworthy, then why are they pushing people to do it? So this is the this is a tactic that's been used by the president in all of his failed business practices. And now as a politician, it's just a bait and switch, right? Like, I don't think I don't think mail-in voting is safe, but I also want you to mail-in vote because I also strip the post office of its ability to deliver your ballots. By the way, I understand that FedEx and UPS can't carry that type of mail. So now he is he is essentially burning this from both ends hoping that people are just going to say, you know what, I all of this propaganda that he has given me on this thing, subconsciously, I'm kind of I'm kind of wrapped up in it. I'm going to go ahead and fill this out. I'm going to send it back. And then he's hoping and I don't know what the actual ballot itself looks like when it comes back, but it may it may look the exact same, in which case he's going into the voting process with you, with his face and words from him or words from someone. saying like this is how you should vote again consistently thumb on the scale throughout the entire voting process it makes me think of the parks and rec episode where they go to the voting screen and and oh my gosh oh my gosh it's so funny when the sweetums uh what's his name (laughs) this guy is running and it's like do you want to vote for and you know him or or Leslie Nope? And when you pressed Leslie Nope, it was like, "Are, are you, you sure?" Like, "Are you sure?" And it was like, "Yes, I'm sure." Press again, and it was like, "Confirm last, if you're sure." Confirm if you're sure. Last, last chance, chance to switch to the other candidate. <laughs> it was like, I was like, "Why does that feel so real yeah, right now?" Organic. Uh, bottom line is, open your mail. Um, and <laughs> yes. I, yeah. So um, something else. Uh, a recent development, William is that we all heard of the passing of Supreme Court Justice oh. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I'd love to, this is two parts of this question, is in the past, the Supreme Court has played a role in a lot of our presidential elections. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what that role has been, and then we'll talk about some of the potential ramifications of losing a Democratic justice in an election year. But first, what role has the Supreme Court and could the Supreme Court play in a presidential election? Yeah, for sure. So the most recent one that they played a a huge role in was obviously Bush v. Gore in 2000, um, where they essentially ruled that, no, we're we're good. We should stop counting. Bush won Florida and we and we can move on. Right. um, Sake of the Republic. I don't foresee them playing a a huge role in this one just because right now the court is four to four. Um, I guess technically it is four to four. We don't know which way any of them are going to go on any given issue, but we, we have a general idea. Um, That said, I think that what we are looking at with the passing of justice Ginsburg is a, a ginormous um, partisan fight that is going to happen over the next several months. Um, Whether it be that they appointed justice in the lame duck session or they try to push through before election day um, remains to be seen. I I don't think it will have much effect on the election, honestly. No matter matter what they do? I don't think so. I mean, I think it it is either going to, it it will excite one or the other's base. Well, then tell me, why is Mitch McConnell pushing so hard to reelect and refill this position 
you know, this to appoint a new Supreme Court justice while Trump is still in power in an election year when in 2016, that was something that several senators spoke out and said, hey, this is no. something that we would never do during an election year, Ted Cruz being one of them. Yeah. So I think the, the, the first thing to to reconcile for all of us, and I, I, I thought about this a lot on Friday night, is that there the politics of the right has no precedence. Um, so to say that there is a precedent in place to elect us or to appoint a Supreme Court justice or not in an election year is just dumb. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. That's just shamelessly saying, I don't want to give Barack Obama this thing. Um, that said, in in this moment, I I think that Mitch McConnell is pushing for it because of this plan that the Republican Party has has really, I mean, to their credit, they have done a great job of of fixing the courts. I mean, they have in, they have, I think. And by on fixing, the, you mean like the way that you fix a horse race. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not, not like Bob the Builder. Yeah. 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 Not like Bob the Builder, the way you would fix a horse More race. Like so Wreck-It, they, Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So they have installed about 200 judges um, to the federal bench. I mean, that is a massive amount of turnover that they got together with the Federalist Society, which Ted Cruz is a member of and put together this this giant bench. And as they were going, and as they have been appointing justices over the last three and a half years, they have installed them all over the country. Um, and, and this would just be another notch on that belt to say, wow, in one presidential term, we got three Supreme Court justices. Now, I think now the electoral politics of the Senate is gonna play a lot more into this. So a lot more of them are up for re-election. I mean, Mitch McConnell himself is up for re-election. Granted, he's up about 14 points right now, so he's relatively safe. Uh. Um, but there are about eight others who are not. And so I think those will be the people who are who are saying, please don't make us vote on this. This, this almost ensures our fate. And they may be willing to fall on that sword for the sake of this Supreme Court seat, but then they lose the majority is the there next. a world, William, where, uh, and it's been a long time since I took AP government, you know, but um, tell me, isn't there a world where the Supreme Court eventually has the final say in an election if it's gone through so many different rungs already? And then once it reaches a certain point, they have the final say. And if we have a Republican majority, that could sway which way the election goes. So there, there's a few things at play, especially with the electoral politics side of it. When you're talking about a confirmation hearing is a great example. Kamala Harris has to come off the campaign trail and go to that, that confirmation hearing. Right. And what they essentially do is they would give her about three chances to speak to almost the entire American population unencumbered and question this guy and really to show her ability to lead, right? Like they don't want to actually do that. Hmm. I think Mitch McConnell saw this announcement as this is red meat for the base to say, oh no, we're not, we're not giving up on this. We're going to keep trying. So was it, do you think that this is more just a publicity stunt than it is anything else? Absolutely. It, with his statement yesterday morning of, hey, you know, I want all of my colleagues in the Senate on our side, <clears throat> excuse me, I want everybody to keep their powder dry. He said it like three times in a single statement. Please powder keep your powder dry. dry. What's that? Is that As in, for powdered wigs? <laughs> uh, I think it's more of a gunpowder gunpowder terminology, uh, maybe. Uh, but I think he wants everybody to keep right. their 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 opinions at a minimum in the press because 
he wants to maintain this illusion that, hey, we can push forward with this. It's fine. Whereas you've got people like Corey Gardner in Colorado who's thinking, I might lose my election and we're only holding a four seat majority. Joni Ernst in Iowa, I could lose my election. Lindsey Graham's reeling in South Carolina. He's tied right now. You know, he doesn't, he can't go back to DC and take this vote. Like he cannot do that. Susan Collins, poor Susan Collins, you know, what can you say for her? It's just, it's not, it's not going great. It's not been going great for a long time because we all know who Susan Collins is. Since she wrote the the Hunger Games trilogy, you know? Truly. It's been so Truly. It's hard to. <laughs> Is that Suzanne Collins who wrote the Hunger Games trilogy? No, but that, was, but that was really funny. No, I'm you. proud of you for that one. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, William, how do you follow up? It that? seems like so much of this is out of our control. It seems like it's all happening behind closed doors and behind an iron curtain that we just basically mm-hmm. are subject to the decisions that are made, but aren't part of making the decisions. So uh. how how can we help that? What is something that we can start doing as average everyday Americans? Um, that can affect some of these things that we care about voting in record numbers. I mean, especially on the democratic side, um, because Trump has his base and his base is going to hold and they're going to hold for those politicians. That's only about 35 to 40% on the given day. Right. We got to run the score up. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just call it what it is. We have to run the score up and leave no doubt because at the end of the day, they're looking for an electoral college win. Republican presidents do not win the popular vote. They just don't. Right. They're not popular. They don't do popular things, but they get to 270. And that's the goal, right? And if we run the score up in every single place that we can, there's no way they get to 270. The right. latest projection shows Joe Biden getting to 268. Doesn't get him crossing 270 and Trump right around one 146 or something like that. So we got to run it up. We have to run it up in every battleground state. We have to run it up in every place that shouldn't be blue. Um, We have an opportunity, a real opportunity here in Georgia to turn Georgia blue. Like that is, that's a reality. Um, And if we can run the score up here in Georgia, wow, that's a state that's in play that we, we didn't think about. We, you know, we kind of wrote it off and said, oh no, that's, there's no way that happens. North Carolina, the same way, Ohio, same thing, Pennsylvania. Florida, a little bit more of a long shot, but, you know, hashtag Florida. So, I mean, we know that we can take responsibility for ourselves, obviously, and we can, you know, choose to vote early or we can be prepared with adult diapers and go wait in line on Election Day. You know, Not get out of that ready. Line. yeah, don't get out of that line. Um, but I wear adult diapers anyway. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> it's 2020. <laughs> guys. Oh, yeah. But what can we do to sick. what can we do to encourage other people to vote in record numbers? I give out lollipops. No. I, no. No. That's, that's what's gonna do it. Do it. We're already honestly, doing stickers, so yeah. Every single thing that you I mean, if it's you know, it, it, if it's devoting a considerable amount of your time in a week to talking to family members and friends who you think kind of mm, might be on the fence, be do oof. it. If you, you know, if you've got, if, if there's any, I mean, obviously you guys have an audience doing this. I mean, you're doing your part to get this word out. Everything you can do, whether it's obviously social media is a landscape where a landscape, it's a a landmine. Yeah. The hellscape of social media, sharing it, getting the word out, every single thing that you can do to just let people see 
the positive message because a lot of people are looking for something to vote for right now. The overwhelming message from both parties is here's what you need to vote against. Give them something to vote for. You know, a green new deal is not a radical thing. It's something that could be exciting because it gives us a future where we're not constantly getting flooded out or burned out by ginormous, you know, hundred thousand acre fires. Right. You know, talking about something like equal pay for equal work, right? Like I, you know, a gender reveal that doesn't start a massive uh, fire, but rather, and this is just a meme, I'm totally stealing this. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I, I saw a meme that was like, you know, a good gender reveal is giving out wallets. And if it's got 67 cents in one, it's a girl. And if it's got a dollar, it's a boy. You know, Oof. there are things that you can do Oof. to give people something to vote for. And, yeah. and in every opportunity that you can do that, um, you know, I don't want to just subscribe to some blind positivity. But at the same time, like, what could a little positivity hurt whenever you're walking into the voting booth with some hope? I mean, truly. And I, I really feel like there's a lot of hope up for grabs this year. Um, I feel like if you really, if you really think about what the two candidates symbolize, you will see what is ahead of us in the next four years. And, you know, there are some really hopeful ideas out there. Um, There's a lot, there is a lot more hope for equality among all people out there, Mm -hmm. a lot less divisiveness, um, taking care of our planet, of our planet (laughs) so that, so that we can make it to old age. And uh, I mean, I want to believe in those things. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can just encourage people to do that too. But what do you think, these are all things we can start doing. What is something that we could stop doing leading up to this election? Wow. Um <laughs> yeah. Maybe stop assuming that our vote doesn't count or that we can't change anything. I- I do think that I, I, that's a good point, Will. I think that the, the the overarching probably theme of what we could stop doing is assuming that somebody else is going to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of people will assume, oh, well, surely there will be enough Democrats to vote for this. And that's not the point. Right. Mm-hmm. The point is making sure that you're heard every single opportunity that you get. And so, you know, whether it be the, you know, the November 3rd election the runoff that's impending here in Georgia in January that, that comes out of the jungle primary for the Senate. Um, making sure that every single time that your vote could be counted, that it's being counted and not assuming that somebody else will do it because in all Mm -hmm. honesty, um, and this is just, this is probably a microcosm of the overall prospect of voting, but in Gwinnett County, they're, they're still trying to get mass transit and it keeps failing by like 40 votes. Yeah. 40 people are holding up MARTA going into Gwinnett County and that's a microcosm of the country, right? I I really think that this is, this is a big part of what happened in the last election yeah. was that so many people felt so safe in what they thought the outcome would be that they didn't really think that it mattered and they thought everyone else would go vote. But the problem was yeah. everyone else thought that you were going to. Well, somebody told me at one point is just like a, a, a something that I've lived by for a long time as it relates to anything that you're doing and anything that you're doing. Imagine that if everybody was doing what you're doing, if everybody was acting the way that you are what would the outcome be, you know? And, and it's easy to go, Oh yeah, well my vote doesn't matter, but okay. What if everyone decided that? What Mm -hmm. if everyone thought that then that, that goes from one to hundreds of thousands, even millions, you know, thinking the same thing. What if we started thinking even on a small scale, what if we started thinking, Hey, maybe I can stress the importance of this with one person. Maybe I can, I can, 
encourage one person to exercise their right to vote and, and affect the outcome on this. Well, then what if hundreds of thousands or even millions thought that way? Yeah. How, how much bigger of an impact could we make? Absolutely. I mean, in 2016, 110 million people didn't vote, right? Good and the gracious. margin was, was something abysmally lower than that. Um, and so, you know, there is, there is so much ground to be taken if we all just get involved and we all yeah. have, yeah. I mean, and, and really it boils down to this understanding that politics is not a team sport. It is a collective way that we decide how we're going to treat one another. Wow. Um, and until we stop treating it as a team sport, it, this is where we land because yeah. so many yeah. people can agree to be spectators. Um, instead of getting involved in how we take care of, you know, the least among us. That's great. Right. Well, we're going to include the uh, links to a lot of the, uh, at least, you know, the Georgia Earl of Voting websites, some of those dates and where you can find some more information about that. But William, uh, we're really grateful that you're here. Before you go, is there anything else that you would like to uh, to say to our audience? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I you know, get out there, do the work. Um elections are won before election day. And so yeah. if you can write a postcard for a candidate, if you can donate to a candidate, if you can donate to the party, do it. Um, it there are so many jobs to be done that people can get involved in. And it doesn't take a lot of your time. You know, you can sign up to text bank for an hour. You can phone bank for an hour. And it's, it's not even for a candidate. It can just be for organizations who are dedicated in seeing people voting. Uh, and that is the most important thing that we can do. And not just now because of the existential crises that we're facing, but because that's our job. That's our duty. We we were lucky enough to win the genetic lottery and be born in America. Um, don't don't take it for granted, because there are lots and lots of people who have fought for a very long time to receive the opportunity to vote. Um, and we can't take that for granted. Yeah. And so, um, you know, if I can. If that is the best parting thought that I can provide, please get involved in the process um, because there's so much work to be done between now and November 3rd. That's true. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Well, if you guys would like to uh, follow along with William and, and learn more about him, uh, we'll include some of his information in our show notes as well. If you'd like to follow along with what Gen Y is doing, you can do that on our Instagram at Gen Y Podcast or Gen Y Podcast dot com and do uh it, do it do <laughs> it <laughs> um, and as always we uh will be releasing a new episode the week after next we, we move to an every other week schedule so expect something else in your feed and i'm sure william you will be back on again before november 3rd happens so that we can kind of talk about the process where we are and some of the new happenings um but once again thanks for being here william and thanks for listening to the generation y podcast